Hi, I'm Paul Schrempf. Welcome to Microdosing, where we focus in on very specific topics that represent larger trends in healthcare. Here in season two, we'll be speaking with a broad spectrum of physicians to get their perspectives on things to watch. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Abbas Gupta, an entrepreneur, investor, and currently the CEO of Mabel, a patient engagement platform designed for Medicare patients. Abbas, welcome. Glad you could uh, join us for this uh, episode and welcome. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Paul. As we've been talking to a number of physicians uh, this season, you just have a really fascinating background. You've got an MD, you're working for startups. You're a certified broker, is that right as well? Like you're just you, <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of uh, side hustles you have are, are going are, are quite <laughs> phenomenal. Love to get the the sixty seconds uh, overview of a boss as we dive into the conversation. Yeah, sure. I was a CS undergrad, uh, so started there and then went to medical school. I was in the MD PhD program there, and then just re- sort of realized this is not what I wanted to do and. Uh, Tried to leave both the PhD and the MD, but my parents were like, you are going to walk out with at least one of the two degrees. <laughs> like, that is unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was pretty clear to me that I was not going to be practicing like from the get-go. So I left, um, I finished medical school, uh, went to strategy consulting for two years, then went into venture for six years, um, focused initially on healthcare, but then sort of broadened into the fintech insurance space. Um, really liked that because it was kind of brought like my, my tech background, my healthcare background, and what was increasingly becoming my business background. And so between the three, that was a great, great time. And then realized, you know what, like I wanted to just, why should the entrepreneurs have all the fun? Like maybe it was time to leap across the table um, and, uh, and be on the entrepreneur side. So left venture, started a primary care clinic focused on seniors, saw this you know, this, this movement towards taking risk in healthcare was going to, you know, and Medicare Advantage was like the perfect business model. As I invested in Clover and then started to learn, dig into the, the model, I was like, everything is going to evolve in this direction. And so I wanted to be on the other side. So opened up a clinic, you know, soup to nuts, clinical operations around risk management, quality scores, all that stuff. Did a lot of technology development to support the clinic, started a brokerage which then led us eventually that Mabel is actually, which is our company now, that there's a need for a marketing automation platform for doctors to be able to reach their patients, networks to be able to coordinate communications across networks of doctors. And so that's what we built Mabel to do. And so that brings me to today, which is a 20 year career from, <laughs> and I feel like I've found my happy place now, finally. <laughs> so. Love it. Love it. I, I, I want to go back to this one point that I find incredibly mm-hmm. fascinating. You learned about Medicare Advantage and got excited. I don't often hear that in the same sentence, but I'd love to unpack yeah. that moment or that time. Normally when the average person hears Medicare, they don't think excitement, innovation, and entrepreneurism. <laughs> I, you know, I think it was, it is kind of like, I knew at the time when I realized this, that it was going to be like an inflection point in my career. And, um, and I, it, it really is like a come to Jesus moment excitement, you know, that, that took place in my life. So the way I, I started realizing as I, you know, I do medicine, you just do you know, medical school, you think about costs and it's just overwhelming. And you think about the economy and 
the percentage of GDP and it just keeps getting worse and you just feel trapped. Like, how does our country escape this? How do we have, you know, for decades we've had flat wages because healthcare inflation has essentially taken up uh, the difference, right? Productivity gain. So you have this core problem of healthcare ruining the competitiveness of our country. Um, and it is, it's a fundamental problem, I, you know, that, that faces. So as I kept on thinking about this over a decade, um, uh, I started realizing that the problems in healthcare were fundamentally about the business model of healthcare. And, and if you can move the model of healthcare from, you know, cost plus fee for service to value oriented and a risk-based model, that ultimately everything trickles down from the business model. So you start to the way you, your operations change, the technology that you use changes, the way that medicine's practice changes under that model. And so trying to figure out what was the right model, it, it became clear that Medicare Advantage had solved it. It was a true risk-based model. You, you basically align American entrepreneurship with keeping people healthy. So it's like patients win, they're like you know $0 plans, they're healthier, they're better preventative care. Mm. Um, providers win, like if you are a primary care provider, you know, I like to say like primary care is the new prom queen. Like mm -hmm. if you're a primary care provider and you're taking risks, I mean, you can become insanely wealthy doing good work, like keeping people healthy and out of the hospital and practicing good medicine. Um, and then it's good for the country. Like Medicare Advantage has shown repeatedly that they can change the cost curve and bend it. And so you have like a win, win, win. Uh, situation. And when I realized that, I was like, all lines of business are eventually going to start looking like Medicare Advantage. Um, and so that's, and we, we see that happening every day now. So that, that, that was like my, when I realized that happened, I was like, I want to be a part of this. You got Medicare original, which is kind of straight from the government. But I think what people don't realize is with Medicare Advantage, that's all coming from private institutions, but we're still getting that, that value-based care meets capitalism, meets entrepreneurism, right. Uh, coming to life there, which, you know, I've got my own bias opinions. It's just an opinion, but that Medicare Advantage model is, is a viable future model for all things in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, so the thing that I am most excited about, you know, I, I know you, you shared these questions with me earlier, but the thing I'm most excited about in healthcare right now is direct contracting. I think it's like, it is a gold mine. Like we, it's, it's taken, if you think about all the Medicare Advantage startups, it takes it's taken them like five to seven, eight years to go public and have some meaningful revenue. These direct contracting entities are going to reach that level of revenue in maybe their first year, maybe their second year. The model is very similar to Medicare Advantage. So direct contracting is like, instead of fee-for-service payments for original Medicare, you're now taking Medicare Advantage type risk. You're doing the same thing for your fee-for-service patients. I, I'm, I can't tell you, it's like, it's riveting. It's so exciting. It's happening so quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah, well, and that I'm seeing it broadly as, as it kind of overlay my, my perspective is, is there's a lot of organizations I work with, either fee-for-service or cost or something like that. Well, we're yeah. trying to find a way to get a price premium or we're trying a way to kind of squeeze out margin. And the only people I see running fiscally healthy enterprises right now in healthcare are taking the risk. The ones that are taking the risk and managing it correctly are the ones running a successful business behind it. Those trying to figure out the fee for service or price points and trying to figure out margins. It's just, it's, yeah. if you're getting it now, enjoy it. Cause it's not going to last forever. Um, but the risk game is definitely where it's at. 
The only thing I obviously want to dive into is learning more about Mabel. It attacked one of my favorite stories I tell way too much was when uh, I was with an insurance client and uh, they're doing focus groups with diabetics. All my healthcare clients, I'm not going to pick on one. I got to pick on almost all of them because mm-hmm. it's like, well, mm-hmm. if somebody is sick, if we just educate them and make them aware of their issue, they'll fix it. And it's just like, no, for a portion of the population, you can't. <laughs> but but there's a gentleman in a focus group, a diabetes focus group that just articulated my perspective like beautifully, which is um, he was diabetic and uh, the moderator goes, well, have you been getting the insurance company's um, information on diabetes? He goes, yes, I get them every month. It says lose weight fat. So, and I throw it in the garbage <laughs> and I go, yes, I want to, I'm going to keep telling that story. And I tell it probably once a week. Um, and then I learned what you're doing at Mabel and it really is a way to uh, address that dynamic, which is kind of this brick wall in healthcare of there's people out there that need help. There's people out there that want to help those people, but, but there seems to be this wall of communication and engagement that we're constantly battling. And I know I just took a bunch of wind out of your sails into his terms no, of describing no. Mabel, <laughs> but would love to kind of get you to, to kind of talk more about what you're working on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, fundamentally, I think that the challenge that we saw is that seniors are really hard to reach. They're sort of programmed to ignore all the stuff that comes in the mail because they're just constantly being bombarded by a million different things. And so we found that if if you send a letter to a senior and it comes from their doctor, they're going to open it. And more than that, they trust their doctor and they're going to, they're going to follow sort of what their doctor might suggest or recommend, right? So when you have communications coming from a payer um, or a direct contracting entity, they just don't know. Seniors are, they'll just throw it out, ignore it, whatever. But now you have the same communications that are relevant at that kind of risk-bearing entity level, either the, you know, the payer or the direct contracting entity. And now you have those communications going through the doctor so that the patient at the end of the day gets a letter that's from their doctor, but has these sort of important messages, it gets to them, we're seeing like 8x higher, you know, response rates, basically, wow. for something like that. So it's like, it's a really big difference. So Mabel was built to allow networks to do this at scale. So you have 100 different providers, they're on 98 different EMRs, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're like, they have all kinds of organizational operational challenges within each of those 100 clinics. We, Mabel is like easily plugs into all of them, gets the lists, gets their approvals, and no one's stuffing envelopes anymore. No one's like pulling, you know, it just, it all automates it on whatever cadence is necessary. And so all these patients get these communications across the entire network. So it's a, you know, we do Medicare Advantage enrollment campaigns and direct contracting voluntary alignment campaigns. Those are, you know, really high value for the patients, for the providers, for the network. And so that's where we've put a lot of our attention uh, over the last two years. Gotcha. And as, as you think about a lot of the providers, provider groups that you work with that are allowing you to access their patients with a variety of, of messages, what's what's getting them excited? What's what's in it for them? And what have they found the experience to be like? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so the providers we work with think think that they have taken on a risk contract, let's say with a Medicare Advantage plan. In a panel of a typical provider will have 400 Medicare patients of which maybe 120, 130 are in Medicare Advantage. So they've entered a risk contract and that's largely where their profits are made. 
they don't make any profits on their fee-for-service patients. In fact, they probably lose money on those patients. Um, but their profits are made in a risk contract because they are doing, and they can really invest. They can hire additional nurse practitioners, additional care managers. They're calling those patients from their home. They're doing, they're practicing good medicine. Um, but now they've made these investments and they're limited by how many patients are on a Medicare Advantage plan currently. So they use Mabel then to try to move more of those fee-for-service patients into Medicare Advantage so that they have better economics and the patients get better care, right? Their Medicare Advantage plans, you know, large, for most of the country, there's $0 premiums now. So that it's, the patients are saving thousands of dollars a year. The medications are cheaper on Medicare Advantage. The deductibles are lower. So like everything is just, it's better under MA, but because Medicare Advantage is like an opt-in program, patients need to know that there are plans out there that are better, frankly, um, and they just need to you know, be, be advised of them. And so that's essentially the outreach process that we do. And what's, what, what do you envision the, the next one to three years being for Mabel? Yeah, I kind of take it back to like direct contracting. I think that's just a huge space for us. Um, it's such a massive opportunity. It's good for the doctors, good for the patients, um, and it's going to grow so quickly. And when you think about, you have a, a direct contracting entity with a thousand providers, 2000 providers, like there's just no way to manage those communications any other way. Um, and so we want to be a part of that. We build this platform for that purpose. Um, we built all these solutions around voluntary alignment that are specific to direct contracting that I think will do very well. So yeah, I think we just want to ride that wave as it, as I know it naturally will. <laughs> that's, a, that's our hope here. <laughs> that's great. We're that's relatively great. average entrepreneurs trying to <laughs> win Love the market. It. I love it. It actually builds to really my, my kind of common closing question is, yeah. if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell yourself? Oh my God. This is so obvious. Now that when I think about it, clinical operations are insanely difficult, <laughs> insanely difficult. Like to think that you can change clinical operations. I can't believe how insanely naive I was. Like we're going to build a clinic. We're going to change the way medicine's practice. That is foolish. I think we're going to have to remove people from the process in order to actually change the way medicine is practiced. And that is scary in some ways, um, but I think that's what's going to have to happen. For medicine to be practiced properly, <laughs> it's going to involve removing people from the picture. All right, well, Abbas, this was great. Thank you so much for uh, sharing yeah. your story and sharing a little bit of Mabel and uh, joining the podcast for a conversation. I love it. Thanks so much, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Microdosing. If you'd like to hear more observations and opinions like these, you can follow me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash n slash shrimp. That's S-C-H-R-I-M-P-F or on Twitter at Paul Shrimp. Until next time, cheers.